Toby Stutzman is going to come up this morning for part of the teaching time and just share his testimony. Toby was talking to Stan Langhofer last month and was just telling me on the phone how encouraged he was just by the things God had done in the Stutzman's life. So I asked Toby if he would be kind enough to share some of that with us this morning. So Toby, come on up. Good morning. Uh, Got to be honest with you. Uh, when I was first asked to do this, I thought, you know, uh, <laughs> no way. Uh, it's kind of amazing the, all the little things that popped up immediately that uh, were the reasons why I couldn't do this. But ultimately, uh, you know, the Lord's been very good to me. He's uh, never let me out of His sight, and. Uh, He's never let go of my hand, even when I was trying to uh, get away from him. So uh, at the very least, you know, I owe this uh, uh, to the Lord. I humbly come here this morning just to uh, give him all the praise and glory in my life. And uh, just uh, very happy uh, to do it. It's been kind of an experience uh, preparing for this. It's uh, interesting sometimes how you're just uh, traveling down this road all the time and you know you're making progress but if you stop and look back and see how far you have come I mean it's kind of neat so uh, this has been a, a growth experience for me to be able to look back and say uh, hopefully some good things have happened and I know they have but uh, let me first begin by uh, just kind of giving you a little bit of my childhood uh, experience. I was raised uh, in a very uh, well-centered uh, Christian home, uh, parents that loved the Lord, and uh, they just uh, devoted their life in raising my sister and myself to be good, godly uh, children. And, uh, you know, as you grow up, you make choices and decisions and uh you're accountable for those, and uh, for a big part in my life, I uh, I wasn't accountable for it, and uh, basically, uh, kind of backing up here just a little bit, but uh, attended a uh, non-denominational, uh, very charismatic church until I was probably about six years old, and it's kind of amazing that even to this day, the thoughts and memories of that church, they are in my heart, and, you know, it, you, I typically don't expect a five-year-old to be impressed by these things, but it's, guys, it's with them, and so, you know, raising your children, uh, everything we do and say and act, it sticks with them, so uh, that was the early, early part of my childhood. Uh, then we moved on to a, uh, a more, well, secular type of church and mainstream church and uh, nothing against that but uh, that's probably where I started to kind of drop off from uh, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ and basically that continued uh, probably early adolescent years to uh, basically two years ago so 
that's a big time frame there. And uh, I was away from Christ for a long time. But I want to read uh, one little verse here, Proverbs 22.6. Uh, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And, you know, that just that holds true in my life. I knew Christ as a young child growing up, and all of my wayward years, there was a burning conscience. Uh, I knew what I was doing was not right. And, you know, I, I wasn't a really evil villain, I don't think, <laughs> but I was not, uh, not walking in the path that Christ wanted me to. And so, anyways, uh, during this time from adolescence to a couple years ago, uh, I'd married uh, my wife, Amanda, and uh, that was in June of or sorry, August, <laughs> August of 95, yeah, it's not good, uh, it, it was August of 1995, and uh, we'd been married about uh, seven years, or six years, sorry, I'm just totally messing up here, <laughs> we had been married for five years, and then uh, Mandy became pregnant with our son, Spencer, and at that time, uh, you know, we were enjoying raising a son and just enjoying it, but not as a father, not knowing the uh, total responsibilities of bringing up a child in this world. And moving on to the next year, uh, the Whippermans, they were uh, some of our friends. We had rented a house uh, right next door to them while Mandy and I were attending college. And, uh, you know, I always looked over the fence at them, not always, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I just noticed how uh, happy and, you know, what a nice little family they were. And, you know, everything just seemed perfect there. And they invited us to come to church with them, which was here, uh, for probably a year or so. And we never uh, took them up on that offer. We were attending a church here in Topeka. Uh, attendance was probably once every three months uh that was that was trying to kind of fill that void for us but uh anyways we knew the whippermans and uh since we had spencer his uh first year birthday party was coming up we invited the whippermans and they came and once again they invited us to come to church with them and you know after they left mandy and i visited a little bit and thought you know sure we'll we'll go try it out and we came here, that was uh, June of 2001, and tell you what, immediately, uh, the Spirit was here, you know, it was, it was on my heart that this is where we need to be, and the only problem was, I had a lot of issues uh, with myself and my life, uh, I was, I was way off the path, guys, uh, things that, uh, you know, I'm ashamed uh, horribly ashamed to even mention uh, the hurt and the pain that they caused my wife, my family. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many uh, tearful, hurtful nights that I caused my family. So, uh, June of 2001, we started attending here, and probably uh, 
the few uh, verses that I started out reading, uh, they kind of came from some of the uh, leaders around this church here. You know, I asked, you know, I've been away so long. Where do I start? Uh, how do I get back in? So I was told to, to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just do some reading there. Well, one of the verses that uh, immediately uh, stuck out to me and uh, scared me pretty bad was Mark seven twenty three, or I'm sorry, Matthew seven twenty three. Uh, just talking about the narrow gates of getting into heaven. Uh, Jesus says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And that frightened me severely. Because uh, I knew Jesus. I knew him, but he didn't know me. I wasn't I wasn't doing his work. I wasn't in his uh in his plan at the time or I wasn't doing his plan. Uh then kind of reading later on here and there, skipping around the Bible, uh came to second Peter two twenty one. Uh Jesus says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Now that really got me going there. Uh, So basically, from that point on, uh, I was in a small group with men's uh, Bible study, just kind of uh, getting trained up, so to speak, and and just my daily uh, devotions with the Lord. And... I can be honest with you and tell you uh, probably I've missed five days in the last uh, last year and a half or so. Uh, it's become a fundamental part of my life to be in the Word daily. And what's kind of maybe unusual with that is Proverbs is where I started out after I was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was great. That's good stuff. But uh, my father told me that he's read Proverbs every day pretty much for how many years I don't know so I thought I can give that a try and for the last year and a half that's where I've been Proverbs every morning wake up and read Proverbs Uh, can't tell you how many times I've read it but every time I do I get something totally different and it just speaks to me what I'm needing that day and you know it's just it's amazing Uh, if you stay in God's word I mean he'll He'll use that, and it it just enriches your life and makes everything so much better. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, So that's kind of the summary of the last year, year and a half. Uh, Now, the past six months, uh, which would have been June of this year, uh, my wife and I had been very prayerful for a decision whether she should stay home or not and raise our son. Uh, That's a pretty big uh, step for most people. It was for us anyways. You know, we're going from a two-income family to a one-income family, and it was uh, kind of a scary thing to do initially. And I will tell you, I spent uh, a lot of time in prayer. Uh, We did together. Just We knew in our heart that, Mandy should stay home and raise our son. But logically, uh, it just didn't seem possible, you know. Uh, So then, uh, got into Proverbs there. Luckily, I was 
still in that. Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty four: A man's steps are directed by the Lord. You know, say no more. If uh, if you're with the Lord, if you're in His will, He's going to direct your steps. He's going to watch you and take care of you. Uh, also, Proverbs three verses five through six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So those last two verses there, uh, that's basically been our last six months. And uh, it's it's just very uh, amazing to me, very humbling that the Lord, he'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. Uh, sure, Mandy and I have sacrificed a few little things here and there, but the Lord is just... Uh, He's, he's provided for us, and it's uh, no uh, no doing of my own. I don't believe it's just the Lord looking out after us. I feel like we're uh, following his will to take care of our son at home, raise him in the way that he should be raised, and the Lord's looking out for us and uh, doing the rest for us there. So that's, uh, I don't even know how long I've been talking here. But uh, that's kind of a summary of, of what's happened in our life. Bottom line, the Lord is good. And turn to him no matter how long you've been away from him. Uh, he's, you know, he's a father. Just like I'm a father to my son, I can tell him to not do something and watch him do it. Uh, hopefully not too often. But, you know, it, it's... It's uh, the Father. He's not going to let go of your hand. He's not going to let you out of his sight. You're special to him, and he loves you. Uh, he's always loved us, and he's there for us. All we need to do is just turn to him and ask him, and he will gladly uh, take us back and take us in. Amen. Thank you. Toby's just done something that hopefully all of us can do, whether it's in a whether it's formerly in a meeting or not, and that is he's just been a witness of what God has done in his life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. A little shorter message this morning out of Luke 2. You can turn there if you want. It's the only passage that we'll be in. This is the classic, classical, best known of the Christmas story passages in the gospel. I would turn myself on, shouldn't I, Eric? We're in Luke 2, verses 1 through 18. <clears throat> People think of a Christmas story. This is generally the one they think of. Starting at verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee... We would say down from north to south, went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ, or Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Zachary, does this passage sound familiar to you? I thought it might. Care Paravel's fourth grade performed Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Just yesterday, and Zachary, also known as Charlie Brown, was the leading role. I heard did an outstanding job. And this part of this passage is one of the key portions of that Charlie Brown special, that great old show. Zachary, it was because of that Charlie Brown special when I was a kid growing up. This was the first passage of scripture I memorized as a new Christian. And when I was working at Vincent Roofing, redoing Grace Cathedral probably 25 years ago, in my spare moments, this passage out of Luke I would memorize. So this was the very first passage as a new Christian that was near and dear to me. There's a ton that we could say out of this. We're going to limit ourselves for time and other reasons to three quick points. The first is, in this story, in this key story about God announcing the birth of his son, look at who the announcement is made to. His announcement is made to the lowly, to the lowly, not to the proud or to the important. In fact, if you compare this passage with Matthew chapter 2, you'll see that the important people, the most important people on some scale, the king was the last to know. King Herod was told last, and he was told by foreigners who had come from the east because a star had told them something he was unaware of that happened in his own backyard. They came to Jerusalem to ask, where has this king been born? Herod's the last to know, not the first. These shepherds, these are kind of the lowly guys, you know. These weren't, we think of shepherds and Biblically, it's a noble calling, certainly, and it's used positively through most of its occurrences, Old and New Testament. But these were not the rich people. These were not the wealthy people. These were the lowly guys staying with the sheep out in the field. This would be the job you or I would not want today. This was kind of at the low ladder socially or financially. But when God announces to the world that his son, a savior, has been born, that's who he tells first. He tells the lowly shepherds. These guys are taking care of their sheep out in the boonies, outside Bethlehem. It's just a little town. It's a bedroom community like Carbondale or something next to a bigger city, Jerusalem. But it's just out in the boonies. 
It's a no-name place. These are no-name guys out in the field just doing their job, just taking care of the sheep. Now, this gives hope, or I think it should give hope to you or I, that no matter what our social standing is, whatever your economic level, academic, intellectual, whatever you could write down on your list of accomplishments, if it's not much of a list, that's okay. Because if you're the lowly, you're the kind of people that God loves to tell about his son. And the first announcement, just think again, this is, You've got Caesar Augustus in Rome making this decision. You've got the governor of Syria making this command about a census. So you've got the bigwigs. They're, they're fulfilling their agenda. But when God speaks, of all the people he could have told this to, it's to a few lowly guys out in the hills. No credentials. They're not important. They have no social standing. They're not wealthy. By the world's standards, they're the last people to tell. So, sort of to invite to your son's birthday party. But that's who God invites. And this is consistent throughout Old and New Testament in the Scriptures because this first venture of Jesus to the world is as a Savior. It's not as a ruling king. It's as a Savior. And so Jesus says later in the Gospels, I didn't come to call the righteous. 1 Corinthians 1 says he didn't call to call the, come to call the proud, the wealthy. Jeremiah says the same thing. God calls the humble. He calls the sinners. He calls those who acknowledge their lack before him. That's who he calls. And that's who he makes his first announcement to. So there's hope even for the likes of you and me that God, no matter our lack of standing in any category, delights to tell people like you and I about his son, just as he did the shepherds. The second thing I really love about these guys is that as soon as they heard this message, they responded. As soon as they heard the message, they responded. Look at verse verse 15. When the angels depart, it says, their response is to say to each other, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They're out in the darkness. Let's say this is at night. It says there's shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. It's night. There's no light around, no street lights. These guys are probably laid out, whatever. Their sheep are around. And this angel, you know, the glory of the Lord shines around them. I mean, they are, they're shocked. They're terrified. You know, the angel first has to say, hey, calm down. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Because here's this uh, terrifying appearance, this glorious, terrifying appearance before them from nowhere, out of nothing. And not only is there one angel, but then there's this host of angels with them. I mean, if, you know, picture that in your head. This, it would be just totally overwhelming. And after they see this grand, glorious sight, and after they hear these words, I suspect it took a little bit to get over the shock and maybe ask, did you see what I saw? Did you hear what I heard, etc.? But after that initial shock wears off, the first thing they say is, let's go to Bethlehem and see what the angels told us about. They could have done other things. They could have said, wow, that was neat. Gone back to the flocks. They could have talked it over and rationalized that they didn't see what they saw and didn't hear what they heard. They could have said, well, that was kind of neat, and what's for dinner? They could have done a lot of things. But as soon as they get over their shock, they take seriously the words they've heard, and they run to see what the angel had told them about. They run to see, they respond immediately. 
I ask myself, and I'd ask you this morning, when God speaks to you, when he reveals a son to you, or if he reveals a command to you, what do you do? Do you act like these shepherds? Do you immediately act on it? Or do you sit back and think it over and find all the excuses why you shouldn't do it, shouldn't follow up, shouldn't go there, don't need to, makes no sense, etc.? These guys left their rods and staffs. They left their sheep, their livelihood, to run into town and check it out. And when you and I hear God's word to us revealing a son or telling us something to do, these shepherds, these lowly guys who were nothing by the world standards, they are a great example. They immediately acted on the message they were given. They ran in to check it out. The third point, and the one I want to leave you with, and I hope that you'll carry through this Christmas season, the third point is this. The shepherds made known, verse 17 says, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Verse 16 says they came in a hurry, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. They went and they confirmed with their eyes what the angel had said. So they got up and they ran into town and they found them and they saw it with their eyes. And when they left, they didn't just leave and go back to the hill. Verse 17 is key. When they had seen this, they made known the statement the angel told them. In other words, when they heard the angel speak and they verified what he said with their eyes, they then became witnesses to those around them. So when they go back, they're telling the other shepherds about what they heard and saw. And they're telling the other people in Bethlehem about what they heard and saw. They went and they witnessed something, and then they became witnesses to others of that message. And the message from the angel was, God has sent you a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. He's here. He's here. He's here now, and he's in Bethlehem. So these guys took the message of the gospel. These were the first heralds, as it were, of the gospel. The Messiah is here. He's in Bethlehem. So they, they came and they saw, they verified the angel's words with their eyes, but they didn't stop there. When they left, they left as witnesses When you and I are called as Christians to be witnesses, we do no more or no less than Toby did. Being a witness is not hard. This is as easy as falling down, so to speak, because a witness doesn't have to fabricate anything. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to do any one of a number of things. A witness just tells what they personally know. If you're called into a court of law, You don't have to go in and think, whirl through your mind about what am I going to say, what am I going to do, etc. Because you're asked questions about what you know, what you've experienced, what you've seen or heard. That's all you do. There's no work to it. It's easy because a witness just says what they know. That's all the shepherds did. But they were faithful to tell others what they had heard and what they had seen. And these lowly guys, unimportant in the eyes of the world, are the example for you and I. 
They just bore witness to what they heard and saw. This is not rocket science. This is not difficult stuff. They just told the others they came in contact what they heard and saw. Not hard. Easy to be a witness. You think of Acts 1, Luke, the same person who penned this chapter, in Acts 1 continues it with this thought. Before Jesus leaves the Mount of Olives, he tells his disciples, stay in Jerusalem until the promised spirit, the spirit I promised you, comes. And the reason you're going to do that is because when the spirit comes, he'll give you power to be my witnesses. Every Christian is called to do the same thing these shepherds did, which is bear witness about who Jesus is, God's Savior, and what he's come to do for you and I. And when we witness to others, all we're doing is telling them what we've seen and heard. Or like Toby did, what God has done in our life. We don't have to make anything up. It's not hard. Sometimes we think of witnessing, it's scary and it's terrifying because it's a sales pitch. We've got to sell someone on Jesus. We've got to make them make a decision for Jesus. That's not what they did. And that's not what Jesus told his followers to do. He just says, bear witness. You tell others what I've done for you. See, if you and I see it that way, you can faithfully, without any baggage on your part and without loading anyone else with any baggage, you can tell them what God has done in your life. You can tell them what you've seen and heard. You can tell them what he's done in your life, which is all these shepherds did. They heard, they saw, and they told others. And that's what you and I can do. And if we see witnessing as just that, telling others our story, or sharing with others the announcement God's made about his son, it's easy. It's not hard. There's no manipulation required on us. We don't have to win others to Christ. The scripture never calls us to do that, ever. It calls us to bear witness, to testify, to tell others what we've seen and we've heard, to tell others what God has done in our life. We are in the Christmas season, and this is probably as opportune a time as you'll have any time of any year to do what the shepherds did and bear witness of what God has done in your life for a couple of reasons. While Christmas, as the Charlie Brown special highlights, while Christmas is certainly heavily commercialized and it's, got, it's mixed up with lots of secular activities, the truth is that there's still enough of Christ left in Christmas that people are aware that this is the birthday, the celebrated birthday of Jesus. So we have a a natural ability this time of year to talk to people about something they're already aware of or thinking about, the birthday of Jesus. Many don't recognize it, but that's okay. It's still part of what's going on in our culture this month, the celebration of the birth of Jesus. So we have an opportunity because there will be Christmas parties and there will be cookie exchanges and there will be family get-togethers. There will be neighborhood parties. You'll be circulating with lots of people this month that haven't had a shepherd come to them and tell them about what they've seen or heard. You have the opportunity this month, because it's Christmas, 
to share with others whose minds are already going to be tuned at least a little bit to this to tell them what you've seen and heard or what God has done in your life. The other side of that is, because Christmas is a highlight of the year, it's also a very, very depressing, lonely season for many others. In fact, there's typically, there's more suicides around holidays than other times of the year because if I'm lonely or desperate or disheartened, it's only highlighted when others around me are having a good time. It makes me feel more desperate, more lonely. So this is a felt need time of year when many people around us are hurting because of the lack in their life or the sin in their life or the difficulty in one way or another. And so this is a particularly appropriate time to be a witness like the shepherd that God has sent a savior, the Messiah, into the world. It's a perfect time of year because of the celebration on one hand and because of the loneliness on the other. This is a perfect time of year to be witnesses like the shepherd. Every time of year, like this December, uh, deer season opens in Kansas. And most deer seasons, I get out with several other guys and we go deer hunting. And most years, not always, most years we're successful and we bring some meat home to the freezer, which is a great thing. And we have a lot of fun. But the other thing is that after every deer season, we also bring something else with us that we've got for the rest of the season and the rest of the year and next year, etc. And that is we bring home stories about our deer hunting. Anybody that, yeah, you know. It's like fishing or it's like vacation. You share this experience with someone and you bring back the stories and you relive it next year and the next year. And, you know, deer hunting, sometimes it's the one that got away. And sometimes it's the one you got or whatever. But there's always a story because you've shared these experiences together. We'll have a potluck the second Sunday in January. So it's about a month away. Christmas will be over. The deer season has ended. At our potluck, when we sit down next month, I would like us to share our hunting stories with each other our witnessing stories with each other. That is, when we sit down next January, let's sit down with some stories about the opportunities God gave and we took to be shepherds and to be witnesses to the Christmas story to God save your son who came to earth for you and I and what he's done in our life and the opportunities we've had to share those with others. Don't make this hard. Because this is like picking apples off a tree, ripe apples off a tree. I guarantee God will give you opportunity in the next three weeks to share the gospel, to share your testimony, to witness with the shepherds about the gospel with those around you. I guarantee it. You don't have to go out and work hard at this. You just pray. Let's pray together. God, show us the opportunities you're giving us to be like the shepherds and just to tell someone else about Jesus. Most of us will send out Christmas cards or letters. You know what? I mean, what better thing can you put in there than the gospel? We've distributed cookies and bread around our neighborhood for the sole purpose of including a gospel tract because people are open to it this time of year. There's cookie exchanges. There's office parties. You'll have lots of opportunities 
You'll have to say no to the opportunities not to have a deer story in January, not to have a witnessing story in January. Just pray, Lord, help me be thinking about it and help me be ready just to share with someone else what I've seen, what I've heard, and what you've done in my life. Makes it easy. We can all be like the lowly shepherds. You know, the truth is the Charlie Brown special is a classic because it is so true to life. Great story. My favorite part is the spotlight focuses on Linus on stage because in the confusion of the the Christmas play they're trying to put on and the commercialism, Charlie Brown's getting lost. He's losing his story, his testimony, and he asks, can anyone tell me the real meaning? And that's where Linus gets on stage and the lights dim and the spotlight comes up and he quotes Luke 2. Now think of Charles Schultz. He's making lots of money, even in 63, when this thing, I think 63, when this came out. What's he doing? He's being like a shepherd. He's telling the gospel story in a cartoon. His mode of expression, his livelihood. He was just being a witness. He was just being like the shepherds. And the pinnacle of the story is the spotlight on Linus simply quoting Luke chapter 2. It's brilliant because it's so simple. And that's all God's asking of us. We're all in a place, we all have relationships where we can be like Linus and we can be like these shepherds and we can just tell others what we've seen and heard. We can just bear witness to what God's done in our life. It's that easy. So think about that. January, whatever the date is, I don't remember, Potluck, when we sit down to eat, we're going to share our hunting, shepherding stories with each other, okay? Remember Luke chapter 2, the angel said, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Father, this Christmas season, we have caused rejoice. Father, as those who have heard the angel or the shepherd witness and seen your Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and trusted in him and having come to know him, Lord, the stone that the builders rejected, we have peace and hope and joy. Father, we have hope and joy enough to share with others. We've been witnesses of your glory. God, we've witnessed your work in our lives. We've heard the truth about your Son. And Lord, you commission us as you commissioned these shepherds, as you commissioned your disciples in Matthew 28, in Acts 1, as you commission us today to simply tell others what we've seen and heard. Father, I pray you'll demystify this shepherding, witnessing role for us Take the fear away. Help us to see that all we have to do is tell others what you've done for us. Like the shepherds to proclaim what the angels said. Help us to do that this Christmas season, Lord. Help us to praise you and to celebrate with others the overflowing joy we have because you sent your Son to become one of us and to grow up to die on a cross for our sins, bearing our guilt, Lord, 
so that we could live with you forever. That is good news. Help us to be mindful of that with others. In Jesus' name, amen.